Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to Movies and Stuff for July 13th, 2017. I'm your host, Robert Yates. If you've been keeping up with the show the past couple weeks, you know that this show has been kind of fluid. This show has kind of changed the way uh, we do things and the shape of things, and it's, uh, it's a new show, uh, so it is ever-evolving and changing, but I think... Uh, we're, we're finally getting into the groove. I think we're finally landing on the format that makes the most sense for the show. Uh, if you've been following, you know that this has been, up to this point, a daily podcast, or at least Monday through Friday. Um, and the hope there was that I could bring you movie news each and every day, uh, along with some other nice little tidbits, little uh, games, little interviews, little, little whatever made sense for that day's episode. The problem that I'm finding is that some days have lots of news, and other days have no news whatsoever. And some days there are actual movie things that I can talk about in depth, like what's coming out, or how the box office was, or that kind of stuff. And some days, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, my hope is that I could fill the, that time with interviews, with uh, comments from users, not users, uh, listeners. Uh, calling into the show, writing into the show, uh, and I still plan to, to involve interviews and your uh, comments, questions, ideas, uh, whatever, your, your involvement in the show as a listener. That being said, I think that what makes the most sense is instead of doing this show every fi or five days a week, to cut it back to two days a week, and I'll tell you why uh, why two days and what those two days are. So, uh, those two days are going to be Monday and Thursday. Uh, Monday makes the most sense because it's right after uh, the weekend when there's the box office stuff. I can tell you whether my predictions for the box office were right. Uh, all that stuff kind of makes sense there. And any news over the weekend or since the previous episode, I can go over, right? Um, and plus, a lot of Monday, there tends to be a lot of news on a Monday. So, that's the first time during the week I'll do a, a show. Uh, the next day would be a Thursday. So, Thursday, by that point, all the critics or most of the critics have seen movies that are in theaters. So, we have reviews up. Uh, we have general consensus as to whether those movies are good or bad or somewhere in between. Uh, and I, I have enough information that I can do my box office predictions. I can do my, my uh, Thursday 5, I guess it's going to be. Um, uh, I, I can predict what that's going to be. And I can kind of fill out these two episodes with a lot of other stuff. And if there's a lot of movie news or there's not a lot of movie news, you still get a really solid episode as a listener. So I think that's what makes the most sense. That's what I'm going to try to do moving forward. Uh, so, movies and stuff. Now, twice a week. Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, my hope is to give you uh, more... Uh, I, I was going to say fulfilling, that's not the right word, uh, more full episodes. Um, that way when you, you tune in, you're getting something in each episode. Uh, I'm not just kind of stringing you along some episodes. That being said, since I've already done three episodes this week, it's a little light on the movie news. I do have some for you. Um, and then we're going to fill things out with what's going to be in theaters this weekend and what I think is going to be the top five movies at the box office. So anyway, let's jump right into the news. Our first news story comes via ScreenRant.com. There is a Transformers spin-off movie in the works. 
Paramount's first Transformer spin-off film, Bumblebee, has rounded out the rest of its young human ensemble. While this year's Transformers The Last Night marked a noticeable change in Transformers franchise world-building when compared to the previous four live-action Transformers movies, the film was still met with criticism similar to other Michael Bay-directed installments before it. As a result, next year's Bumblebee spin-off film is shaping up to be the first real considerable change in direction and tone for Paramount's ambitious Transformers cinematic universe. Not only will Bumblebee be the first spin-off film in the Transformers franchise, its story will also be unrelated to the events that took place in all five previous Transformers films. Taking place in the 1980s, the film follows Bumblebee during one of his many experiences on Earth without his fellow Autobot comrades. As such, Bumblebee is said to resemble Brad Bird's beloved Iron Man, Iron Giant, in terms of tone and storytelling, rather than the chaotic action extravaganzas that the franchise has been up to this point. Um, interesting news. Uh, apparently there's been some talk of a, a, a Bumblebee spin-off film for a while. Um, I think, personally, that it is a terrible idea. And I'll tell you why. So, uh, up until this most recent Transformers movie, the franchise has done really well. If I had to guess, the decision to make a Bumblebee movie or a, the spinoff, uh, came before this fifth movie bombed at the box office. And it has bombed by all measures. Um, so the idea was, okay, well, we've got this franchise that's doing really well. Let's spin off, create a cinematic universe, because everybody wants to create a cinematic universe these days, uh, and go in this direction with Bumblebee. Now, that being said, I think the idea of doing a Bumblebee movie without all the other Transformers... Um, kind of more in the vein of something like an Iron Giant, which is a great movie if you've never seen it. Um, I think that makes sense. I think that is an interesting direction to go. My problem with it is that because it is a spin-off of the current Transformers movies, it is now connected to those movies. Um, it is clear to me that audiences are not interested in this style of Transformers movie anymore. And even if you go in a different direction with it, you're still connected via character and, and, and at least the way he looks, right? And that kind of style. You're still connected to the old Transformers franchise. Um, I think a much better idea would not to, be, not to do the spin-off movie, to wait a couple years and reboot the franchise. Um, Transformers is an interesting, um, very pliable, moldable kind of franchise, right? And Michael Bay's done it his way, but there's a lot of other ways you could do a Transformers movie. Start that way, start over again, reboot it, and then start doing spin-off movies. Connect this Bumblebee spin-off movie to your new universe. Uh, by doing this spin-off movie, you're either stuck just doing Bumblebee, Bumblebee movies for a while, or you're doing that, and then you're going to make a sixth Transformers movie in the same continuity? Um... I don't think that makes sense. Anyway, they're working on it. Uh, rumor is right now that they're they're planning to film real soon to try to get it out in the next year and a half. Um, that's a really quick turnaround, which doesn't bode well in my opinion um, either. But you know what? They're doing what they're going to do, and Paramount's going to do what they're going to do, I guess. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, again, I think the idea for the movie is a good idea, but not when it's connected to the current Transformers universe. Um, I think they're just trying to rush something out. I think this movie is going to end up floundering in theaters, not going to do super well, and then they're going to reboot the franchise anyway. So hold the good idea, the part of it that's good, hold on to it, 
and do it when it makes sense, when it's right. Not right now when your franchise is kind of nosediving. Our second story comes via Collider.com. Quentin Tarantino is gearing up for his next movie. Such is certainly the case with Tarantino's next film, which we learned last night will have something to do with the Manson family murders, an event that culminated in 1969 and saw followers of cult leader Charles Manson brutally murder actress Sharon Tate in her home, as well as four others. Tarantino has not officially revealed anything, so everything we know thus far comes from the trades, but last night's initial reports noted that the film filmmaker is working to put his cast together before settling or setting the film up at a studio and he's had discussions with Brad Pitt and Jennifer Lawrence for roles and now we have a bit more clarity on who might be playing who and what that tells us about Tarantino's approach Deadline notes that Brad Pitt who worked with Tarantino on Inglorious Bastards is being courted to play the detective investigating the murder while Variety's Justin Kroll instead says he's being eyed to play the prosecutor in the Manson trial. If Kroll's correct on this one, it means Tarantino's interested in going up through the trial of the Manson family and not just chronicling their cult and violent actions. But either way, Pitt would be an exciting choice, although he could have a schedule conflict, as Tarantino's looking to shoot in summer 2018, and that's likely around the time that Pitt and David Fincher will finally start to roll cameras on World War Z 2. So this casting may or may not work. Tarantino famously considered Lawrence for the Hateful Eight role that eventually went to Jennifer Jason Lee. But last night's reports stress that Lawrence is not in contention to play Sharon Tate. Instead, Deadline says the filmmaker has met with Margot Robbie about potentially taking on that role. They also note that Samuel L. Jackson is expected to have a lead role in the film. Not a surprise, but great news nonetheless. This is all very fluid at the moment, as apparently no one has yet to read the script, and with filming not taking place until next summer, there's plenty of time to put this together. Um, always interesting news when Quentin Tarantino starts talking about his next movie. Um, one article I was reading today basically said, like, every time Tarantino says he's working on a new film, the process of making that film becomes an event almost as big as the movie itself. Uh, very interesting topic covering the Manson family. Um, Tarantino has a very distinct style, and I'd be very curious to see what that type of content looks like married with his style of directing and writing. Um, a lot of names are getting batted around. Some of them may, all of them may end up getting cast in the movie, and we'll find out in the coming weeks and months ahead. Uh, but what's most interesting to me is the fact that we're a year out from filming. Um, Tarantino famously takes a while working on his scripts. So it's interesting to me that he has already written the script. He's probably going to have several more revisions. What's interesting to me, he's trying to get actors on board before he tries to get the movie like produced at an actual uh, production company. right? So that's very interesting to me. I think maybe that something that we're not picking up on or that some of these sites aren't picking up on right now is the fact that that could mean that the content of that script is pretty friggin' intense. Um, and with, with a topic like the Manson family, that's very likely. Um, so it may be that he's trying to get people with some clout. Jennifer Lawrence and Brad Pitt certainly have that. Margot Robbie, Samuel L. Jackson. They have um, some clout, some interest amongst the general population. He's trying to get these people, it looks like, in place so that when he makes this really screwed up movie, 
there is still an interest to see it. Studios aren't afraid to produce it. That being said, Tarantino's the type of director that's going to get a movie made regardless because he's Tarantino. He has enough clout on his own. It's just a matter of maybe he's looking to make a bigger production uh, and he's trying to get some named people in there so that this weird, strange movie gets made. Either way, very exciting news that Tarantino is making his ninth film. Uh, yeah, that's just exciting. It's exciting times. Our next story comes by way of Variety.com. Netflix, Hulu, surge in Emmy nominations while Amazon holds steady. The three major streaming services made out well in Thursday's Emmy nominations, with Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu all nabbing multiple award nods across several series. Looking at the raw numbers, Netflix came out on top, surging from 54 nominations in 2016 to 92 nominations this year making them the second most nominated network behind only HBO, who got themselves 110 nominations. Freshman supernatural drama Stranger Things alone scored 19 nominations, including Outstanding Drama Series, Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama, and Outstanding Supporter Actor in a Drama. Fellow freshman drama The Crown walked away with 13 nominations, including one for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. Hulu jumped from just two nominations in 2016 to 18 this year. The Handmaid's Tale was among the top 10 most nominated series in this year's field, netting 13 nominations including Outstanding Drama Series and Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. The streamer also scored multiple nominations for the documentary The Beatles, Eight Days a Week, The Touring Years. Amazon was even this year, again scoring 16 nominations. Mainstays Transparent, Mozart in the Jungle, and The Man in the High Castle all received multiple nominations, while Carrie Fisher was posthumously nominated in the Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series category for her role in Catastrophe. Transparent was the most nominated Amazon series with seven, including Jeffrey Tambor receiving his ninth nomination overall and his third for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series. Looking at the percentage increase among the streaming services is where things get even more interesting. While Amazon was even, Netflix scored a 70% increase in their number of nominations compared to last year. Netflix has been a serious contender at the Emmys for years now, with the streamer poised to add multiple statues to their shelf once again. Hulu is one to watch this year, however, with a staggering 800% increase in their number of nominations. The Handmaid's Tale is, a good, is in good position to score several major awards, given the strong critical acclaim the show received for its perceived relevance in the United States' current political climate. Uh, interesting news, not a lot to say on it, um, except that I'm happy to see streaming services um, basically making their way into the mainstream. They've been mainstream for a while as far as the general public's gone, but now we're seeing these the Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon really start getting um, recognition for good work regardless of the fact that they're a streaming service. Uh, even as, uh, uh, as little as five years ago, it was a big deal that someone like a Netflix was getting nominated for awards, right, at the Emmys. And now it's the point where Netflix is the second most nominated behind only HBO, and it's pretty close. Um, that means to me that we're starting to see that shift from traditional TV into more streaming uh, internet-based TV, right? And that's where we're headed, and this, this is exciting to me. What this means to me is that the people nominating, at least for the Emmys, don't care 
whether it's traditional television, streaming television, whatever television. If it's a TV show, they consider it on equal footing regardless of how it gets to the general public. Uh, that's exciting to me. Um, and it's also exciting because a lot of these shows, like The Handmaid's Tale, Stranger Things, House of Cards, uh, Transparent, all these shows across these different streaming services are really good, and they're getting the recognition they would they deserve. So that is always a good thing. Very excited that uh, the Emmy nominations are out. Can't wait to see uh, what actually walks away with awards when it's time for uh, the actual Emmys. Alright, I got a couple of quick hits to round out our news for the day. Matt Reeves, director of War for the Planet of the Apes and the upcoming DC movie The Batman, has indicated that they are starting from scratch with the script. Originally, Ben Affleck was set to act, direct, and produce the movie, but backed away from directing responsibilities in an effort to better be able to focus on portraying the character. He was also one of the head writers involved with the original script for the movie. So it sounds like when Matt Reeves came in, he said, look, I, I, I have ideas for how I want to do this. Let's start over from scratch. Uh, from what I heard, that original script anyway, uh, it, it was having a lot of problems getting off the ground. That's actually uh, another reason why Ben Affleck kind of stepped away from writing and directing the movie. Uh, one other quick hit. Um, very interesting to me. Netflix content assets valued at $11 billion, more than Time Warner, Viacom, Discovery, or AMC. Uh, I just find this interesting. Netflix has a lot of TV shows, a lot of assets. $11 billion. That's insane. That is a lot of content. Um, and we talked about previously about Netflix and these other streaming services, right? Getting the recognition they deserved as opposed or in comparison to traditional television. Um, and if you look at it, they're now, Netflix at the very least, has a portfolio that rivals some of these traditional television uh, companies, right? Um, and of course, people like Time Warner and Viacom aren't just in television. But Netflix is like, hey, we have content that is worth a lot of money. Um, so anyway, found that interesting. That's your quick hits for today. That's your news for today. Next up, we're going to look at what's coming out in theaters this weekend. There are four movies coming out this weekend that I want to talk to you about. The first, the most obvious one, War for the Planet of the Apes. The plot synopsis in War for the Planet of the Apes, the third chapter of the critically acclaimed blockbuster franchise, Caesar and his apes are forced into a deadly conflict with an army of humans led by a ruthless colonel. After the apes suffer unimaginable losses, Caesar wrestles with his darker instincts and begins his own mythic quest to avenge his kind. As the journey finally brings them face to face, Caesar and the colonel are pitted against each other in an epic battle that will determine the fate of both their species and the future of the planet. It currently has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critical consensus, War for the Planet of the Apes, combines breathtaking special effects and a powerful, poignant narrative to conclude this rebooted trilogy on a powerful and truly blockbuster note. I'm very excited for this movie. Uh, the past two have been great. I, From everything I can tell, reviews, trailers, it looks like this is going to uh, round out the trilogy in stunning fashion. The next movie I want to talk about is The Big Sick. 
This movie has been in limited release for a while, but it got a nationwide release this weekend. The plot synopsis? Based on the real-life courtship between Kumal Nanjani and Emily V. Gordon, The Big Sick tells the story of Pakistan-born aspiring comedian Kumal who connects with grad student Emily after one of his stand-up sets. However, what they thought would be just a one-night stand blossoms into the real thing, which complicates the life that is expected of Kumal by his traditional Muslim parents. When Emily is beset with a mysterious illness, it forces Kumal to navigate the medical crisis with her parents, Beth and Terry, who he's never met, while dealing with the emotional tug-of-war between his family and his heart. Uh, this movie currently sits at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critical consensus, funny, heartfelt, and intelligent, The Big Sick uses its appealing leads and cross-cultural themes to, provide, or to prove the standard rom-com formula still has some fresh angles left to explore. Uh, I've been waiting for this movie to get a wide release because it wasn't playing in any theaters near me. I've heard nothing but great things about this movie. Very excited that it's finally out in theaters. Uh, planning to go see it soon. Uh, you should too. The next movie I want to talk about, Wish Upon. We got a scary movie in the middle of July. Plot synopsis. In the latest horror thriller from the director of Annabelle, 17-year-old Claire Shannon is barely surviving the hell that is high school, along with her friends Meredith and June. So when her dad gifts her an old music box with an inscription that promises to grant the owner's wishes, she thinks there is nothing to lose. Claire makes her first wish, and to her surprise it comes true. Before long, she finally has it all. Money, popularity, and her dream boy. Everything seems perfect until the people closest to her begin dying in gruesome and twisted ways. Now with blood on her hands, Claire has to get rid of the box before it costs her and everyone she loves the ultimate price. Be careful what you wish for. Currently sitting at 32% on Rotten Tomatoes, the critical consensus, Wish Upon is neither scary nor original, but its fundamental flaws as a horror movie may make it destination viewing for after-midnight camp genre enthusiasts. So it sounds like this movie is fairly campy, not very scary. If that is the type of movie you, uh, you enjoy, and you like paying full ticket prices at movie theaters to go see a campy movie, Wish Upon might be for you. And the final movie I want to bring up is one that you may not be aware of. The movie is called Lady Macbeth. Rural England, 1865, Catherine is stifled by her loveless marriage to a bitter man twice her age, whose family are cold and unforgiving. When she embarks on a passionate affair with a young worker on her husband's estate, a force is unleashed inside her so powerful that she will stop at nothing to get what she wants. Currently sitting at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, the critical consensus, Lady Macbeth flashes some surprising toughness beneath its period exterior, bolstered by a mesmerizing and unforgiving central performance by Florence Pugh. Uh, I have seen the trailer for this movie, have not seen it yet. Um, go watch the trailer. This movie looks really intense. Um... It's probably not showing in a lot of theaters around you, but certainly watch the trailer, give it a shot. It looks way darker than its plot synopsis sounds, looks way more intense than its plot synopsis sounds. It's a movie I'm quite looking forward to myself. Those are the movies releasing this weekend. Our final segment today used to be called The Friday Five. But now with the new format of the show, we're not recording this on a Friday. <laughs> So, we're changing the name of this segment to 
the top five. How's that sound? If you have a better name, feel free to tell me what you think it should be. This segment is where I look at the movies that are already in theaters, the movie releasing in movies releasing in theaters, and I tell you what I think the top five movies at the box office will be in order, starting with one, going down to five. Let's jump right in. I think that Spider-Man Homecoming is going to have a very strong second weekend and end up in the number one spot. Uh, it was a very tough call between this and what I put at the number two spot, which is War for the Planet of the Apes. I think War for the Planet of the Apes is going to have a really strong opening weekend. Uh, it very well may be that these two movies flip-flop spots. I could be wrong. Um, but I just think Spider-Man Homecoming has so much momentum behind it, has such positive word of mouth, uh, that it is going to overshadow War for the Planet of the Apes a little bit. Uh, so I think you see Spider-Man Homecoming at number one. I think you then see War for the Planet of the Apes at number two. Holding uh, the third spot, I think, is the last two weeks' number one movie, Despicable Me 3. Um, it's an animated movie. There aren't many of those this summer, actually. So I think this is still your, your kind of general family movie, the movie to take the kids to see. It didn't have a giant drop-off from its first uh, in its second week from its first week, and it'll still see a drop-off in the third week, but I think it's enough, still going to make enough money, to be the number third movie at the box office. Uh, in number four, and this is really hard, uh, I think Wonder Woman ends up being the fourth movie for the third week in a row. Um, that movie has had a surprisingly strong run in theaters. Um, it's been fourth the last two weeks. And just the other movies in theaters are dropping off too precipitously and or I don't think you're going to make the, the new releases. I don't think you're going to make a lot of money. Uh, so I think you see Wonder Woman at number four. And I think at number five you see Wish Upon. Um, and it's a toss-up for me. I thought maybe the big sick would go here. Uh, I, I just... As much as I want the big sick to do well, I don't think it's going to be in the top five. I don't. Uh, maybe it will be. I could com be completely wrong about that. But the advertising for that movie, uh, the way they've released that movie, I think a lot of the people who wanted to see that saw it in limited release. And I don't think a lot of the general public knows about the movie. I think this is a movie that could play well to the general public. But because of the way they released it, because of the few trailers and advertising, I don't think a lot of people know about it. I think this is, the big sick is going to be a movie that does well on video. It's going to be positive word of mouth, a movie that, that maybe gets on Netflix and slowly generates positive buzz after its initial theatrical run. Uh, I don't think Transformers is going to do well this weekend. It dropped so much in three weeks. It went from like 60 million to 17 to 6 million last week. Um, I don't think it's in the top five this, this week. I just don't. Uh, it was in the fifth spot last week. I just think it keeps not making money. Um, and therefore, I think Wish Upon is your number five movie because of the camp value, because of counter-programming, uh, the idea that there isn't a scary movie in theaters right now, and there are some people who will just go see scary movies because it's a scary movie. You're going to get a lot of teenagers, a lot of high school students who, and college students who aren't in school right now who want something different from everything else. I think you get enough people like that to put Wish Upon at the number five spot. So in order, Spider-Man Homecoming is number one, War for the Planet of the Apes, number two, Despicable Me 3, three, Wish, uh, Wonder Woman at number four, and Wish Upon at number five. I'm probably going to be terribly wrong with this, but those are my guess, uh, guesses. You can find out in Monday's episode when we do the weekend review 
whether I got those right or not. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Movies and Stuff for July 13th, 2017. I have been your host, Robert Yates. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for being here for this episode. Um, remember, the format of the show has changed. I said at the beginning of the episode, just another reminder, we're releasing twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. I think that's going to make the most sense. If you have suggestions for how you think that format could be changed up a little bit or might better suit uh, the style, let me know. Let me know your thoughts on the new format. Um, let me know anything. New segment ideas, how you think I'm doing, how, you think, how, how the show is doing as a whole. Um, there's two ways to reach me. I, I didn't say at the beginning of the show I'm trying to cut up back on the uh, annoying banter early on in the show. Uh, all this, you know, business we got to get to. Two ways to reach me. You can do that by downloading the Anchor app and calling into the show. Uh, and I'll throw you right into the show. Anytime anybody calls in, put you right into the show. Have your voice there. Respond to whatever you had to say, whether it was a question, segment ideas, constructive criticism, any and all of that. Feel free to download the Anchor app and call into the show. The other way to do it is by emailing me at my email, themoviesandstuff at gmail.com. I check it before every episode. Uh, and if you don't want your voice actually on the show, that's the way to do it. I'll look there, see what uh, people had to say, and incorporate that into the episode where it makes sense. Again, the email address, themoviesandstuff at gmail.com. All right, that has been the show. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you so much for your support. I've been surprised at how many people have just on a whim, started supporting the show, started listening to the show just right off the bat. Um, it's very encouraging. It's very exciting. Thank you so much. Please, if there's anybody you know that would like this, to listen to this type of show, or even people you don't know if they'd like to listen to this show, please just share it with your friends, your family, your, your closest friends, and your darkest enemies, whoever. Uh, just get the word out there. Uh, I want to build a community of people who like talking about movies. Uh, I want this to be a conversation, not just me talking at you, but you being a part of it. It's a show not just for me, it's a show for you and for all of us. Um, to that effect, if you're listening to this in podcast form, either on Google Play services or on Apple, um, please go in, uh, rate the show. Five stars would be wonderful. I'd appreciate five stars. And leave a review. Let me know and let everybody else, else know what you think of the show. Um, any of that kind of stuff really helps this, really helps get word out there, really helps the show and the channel grow. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for being here for this episode. Go watch a movie. I've been your host, Rob Yates. Until next time.